Worship Ministry Catalyst is a networking resource for all worship leaders and worship team members, serving as a catalyst to facilitate worship in the local church. And now, here are your hosts, David Lindner and Kevin Cruz. Hey. Hi. <laughs> we are high tech around here, That's baby. That's awesome. <laughs> so, uh, hey, this is another episode of Worship Ministry Catalyst Podcast. Um, you just heard what we're about. I don't need to repeat it. But uh, we're, we have a, uh, a special guest with us today. Yay, for Brent special guests. And um, he's the in worship guy, com, right? It is brentmorship.com, yes. So I've been, I messed it up last time. Like for two whole episodes, we were interviewing Graham Cochran. <laughs> and we had the wrong website. No, no, I kept saying, I said recordingrevolution.com, but I never had the the until the end of the second episode. The like, Recording Revolution. Graham, as nice as he is. It's it's actually the. Like, oh, man. <laughs> messed it up for two whole times. But. Hey, speaking of the, so I had an interesting experience. Uh, I have a three-year-old daughter. And I'll read her stories. And at the end of the stories, you know, you have the end. Um, and so I, I always say, it. I go, the end. And my wife corrected me. She said, you know, we're trying to teach Callie how to talk and read properly. We need to be saying the end because that's how you say the. You know, when, you t- when you're reading the in a sentence, I went to the store. You don't say I went to the store. I think your wife's wrong. Well, okay. You can tell her that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so but. What, yeah, well, how did, how did we start changing the to the yeah that, that's what i'm wondering because i've always said the end and now i'm trying to force myself when i read a story to my daughter i'm trying to force myself to say the end so that my daughter can learn how to properly read and and recognize the uh but boy, I mean, that's a tricky thing where did the come in you know well i, I don't know but I, for us the rule of thumb is you know when it's followed by a vowel it's the when it's followed by a consonant it's the like if I was gonna say the cup, I would say the cup, not the cup. But if I was gonna say the armoire, would, would you say, say the, the armoire? Arm- yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? I've yeah. never heard of that before. That's what we use in, when we're in choir and singing and stuff. If it's if it's followed by a vowel, oh. it's the. If it's followed by see, that's an, I'm gonna have to tell Melanie that. Yeah. That's great. That that might give me a little bit more uh, a, a little bit more uh, weight to. Uh, to try to get up back to the end, but um, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Well, the the life changing topics we talk about on yes, this show. Yes, this is this yeah. is what we're all about here. Now I'm screwed though because I'll go the rest of the day I'm a little ADD and I'll <laughs> every time I say the or the I won't know how to use it. You're gonna have like an anxiety yeah. attack every time. <laughs> every time you get close to saying the word, you're like, oh, I don't know what to say. Yes, <laughs> that. It's going to point armoire. 
Speaking of armoire, is that even how you say it? Is it armoire or armoire? Oh, see, armoire. Now, now we're getting into, you know, or, or about roof. Is it roof or roof? Uh, is it... Is it creek or crick? Ah. Uh, uh, we know that one. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're from the south. Yeah, if you're if you're from this part of the country, if you're from the northwest, then we I'm say creek. I'm from the Midwest, so we uh, say crick. Crick yeah. out there in Ohio. Yep. Yeah. Dave is a huge diehard Buckeyes That's fan. That's right. Ohio State. September 2nd, Thursday night. Is that when it starts? Taking down Marshall. Yeah. Woo! Yeah, we're we're big Ducks fans up here. My son has got all the schedule. I think he's down. He said it's 30 days till the first Duck team. <laughs> so he's got the schedule going, too. So you and Kevin uh, connect really well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a Ducks fan as well, Brent. So... Nice. Uh, I, I gotta say it was a little tough during the uh, the Rose Festival. David and I, we uh, Rose Bowl. Sorry, the Rose Bowl, which was preceded by the Rose Festival. Sorry. Yes. Um, anyway, D- David and I, we uh, you know, we just had to just put our friendship on hold for a while there. Yes. Um, <laughs> and of course, Kevin uh, called me up on the day of the games. Like, yeah, I just want to wish you luck. You know, I'm like, <laughs> screw you, man. <laughs> that, was a, that was a great game. Yeah, except the Ducks lost. It really was a good game. Uh, but that's okay. There's yeah. always next year. There is always next year. No. Yeah, it's going to be a curious year for the Ducks. I yes. Mean, a lot of new replacements and new things happening, and um, you know, it'll be. I think it'll be good though. It won't be as curious as it's going to be for USC though. Uh, yeah. Oh yes, yeah, because yes. Pete Pete uh, uh, Pete Carroll is he leaving? Is that he's gone? And uh, he's gone. USC got you know really hammered by the NCAA for uh, cheating. Like got their their uh, national title stripped away, or they were at least talking about doing that. And they can't oh. they can't go to any bowl games for the next three seasons or something. What? Like that. Yeah, no postseason. No yep. way. What well, what was the accusation? How how were they cheating? Paying their players. Yeah, and it all kind of came out of the Reggie Bush era and some yeah. of the issues they had with him. And then in investigating that, they disclosed a lot of other issues. Whoa, whoops. Yeah. That's not, that's a problem. And Pete's Carol not even there to even bear the brunt of it, and it was all his fault. Yeah, he did his typical thing. He ran like a little girl. <laughs> he so ran. got out quick. He ran. You know, I heard, wasn't there talk of him going to Seattle, coaching the Seahawks? He is, yep. Is that, is that official? Yep, he's yep. there. Wow. Well, hopefully he won't cheat with the Seahawks, because they're they're my one pro football team that I can actually like claim to be. You yeah, know, but if they're gonna win, he might have to cheat with the Seahawks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it hurts. It's a good thing I'm not a Seahawks fan. But I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Oh, and and who do we have now? I don't know. To baby. No, wait, did he <laughs> did he sign with the Bengals? Like, great, that's just what we need. More drama. <laughs> More drama. Oh, that's funny. That's we, awesome. We didn't have enough with Ocho Cinco. Oh, I know it, right? Losing a player last year to a girlfriend. I mean... Mm. Yeah. Well, has got a lot of sports drama right now. Yeah. Yeah. So basketball season's going to be interesting. All LeBron that. is gone, though, so... But I wasn't a big... I wasn't a Cavs fan anyway, so... You weren't? No. Ah, good. But I was... He was... He was born and bred Ohio, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, and then he left. I can't blame him. I mean, he wants a ring. Well, yeah, but I mean, wasn't that? I don't know. Like, as a as a an Ohio resident at one point, like, doesn't that kind of sting a little? Not to me because I don't like Cleveland. Okay, well, <laughs> so who cares about the Cavs? 
No, it, it, it hurt a lot of hurt a lot of Ohioans. It's yeah, true. They take it, uh, people people take it personally, but yeah. sports is sports, and the dudes do get paid. It's not like <laughs> yeah, no, trade. it's not illegal. It's you know, and it's not a charity case either. He whoops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Sorry. likes to break my furniture when he's once in here. again. I just broke David's desk. I <laughs> I sit here while we're talking, and I just start like playing and picking at things, and I just totally took off the siding of his desk. Nice. Sorry about that. I'll pop that back on nice. here. So let's uh, let's find out a little bit more about Brent. I I I really don't know Brent all that well. We've talked back and forth a little bit on Twitter, mm-hmm. and I followed your blog back in the day, and then uh, I've been following a little bit more recently. But uh, you've got you've got quite the following online, and uh, you do you're a pretty uh, tech savvy kind of guy from appearances, at least from uh, my neck of the woods. So why don't you uh, tell us a little about yourself? Uh. Well, I was born in Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota, eh? Yeah, how far? How far back do you go? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm one of those guys that uh, I think uh, likes a lot of things. So you call me technical. I call myself a geek. You know, mm. um, I'm a geek. Yeah, I, I, I like being a geek. I, I like the technical end of things. I like to learn how to fix things. I, um, I like to play with the new toy. Um, you know, I've got that whole world kind of wrapped up inside of me, and. Uh, Bringing that into ministry is always interesting as well. I've been uh, the worship and media pastor here at a church called Table Rock Fellowship here in Medford, Oregon. We're in Southern Oregon. And I've been here uh, for, uh, we turned 12 this month. Wow. Um, Myself and our senior pastor started the church here 12 years ago. And it's been a part of that the whole time. We really, we weren't seeking to be a part of a church plant. We were a part of another local church that, um, kind of fell apart, and we decided the best thing instead of splitting the church was for us just to resign and step away. And God had different plans and kept the two of us together and a group of um, you know friends and family together, and that's where the church came from. So I've been here and keeping keeping that world going. I help lead worship here uh, with a couple other worship leaders. I help run the media department. I keep my hands in the IT here around the church. And um, also, when I'm not at church, I like to be a part of Live Sound. I work for a local Live Sound company and do some couple things a year and have some fun with it. So I just like cool. keep my hands dirty. Oh, were you doing sound at the fair down there? Is that what you were talking about all those nights? Yes. Yeah, I worked with a, the, that company, um, and they are contracted for the PA system for the venue out at the fair. So myself and one other guy, actually my brother, uh, were the system techs for that venue for the week so so you ran the sound and they provided the gears that we provide the gear oh. they run the sound oh so we basically monitor the the pa system make sure it's all up and running um we do stage setup and tear down and it's it's all of our gear consoles at front of house and monitor world um, wow and if need be then one of us would be on stage during the concert, monitoring the monitor world and the system, and one of us would be at front of house being a second for whoever engineer was walking through with the band or, or coming through town and that. So. That's cool. So so you have, like, a lot of gear then, like your your own gear that, that you're renting out and doing production stuff with? Yeah, that all belongs to the company that I kind of sub for. Uh, it's a local company called Garen Lee Sound, and he owns the equipment, and he does larger events like this, a lot of fairs around the region, um, we have a jazz festival here in fall. He he is hired for that. And then I'm one of the techs that he'll sub out either to help with the PA or to run sound for some events as well. Cool. 
Yeah, so it's fun. I I like I I love the church thing, but um, more and more I hate being inside the walls Monday through Friday because I really don't think my calling is to be inside the walls here Monday through Friday. <laughs> so working on getting out there and and enjoy keeping my hands dirty out out in the public. Well, it's hard working in the walls of a church to have any kind of meaningful impact on any non-Christian. And so well, you, have, you you essentially have zero um, <laughs> unless you're socially communicating through the web or something or on a right. phone. You know, there there really is um, not a great way to intermix and become relational with anybody outside the church unless you're outside. So the church. so let's talk about that because that's an interesting topic. A lot of people who listen to our podcast are worship pastors. Um, you know, myself and David included. We. Uh, we're full-time worship pastors who who are, um, you know, essentially leading church, leading worship services on Sunday, and we are then, uh, in turn, working at our respective churches during the week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how how do you do that? How do you have meaningful relationships with uh, non-church people or unsaved people, um, so that you're not just literally being confined to a you know a christian bubble if you will mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i i grew up in the church my dad's a pastor and so i was saved when i was born kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until i was a junior in high school that i really made a fruitful decision to to say all right this this is my life jesus is my focus and so i really um when i was a young kid i you know prayed the prayer, but really junior high school is where I think God really grabbed a hold of me. But so I've grown up in the church and I think one of the biggest issues that I've seen for me personally, um, in getting to know into, in, into relating and intermixing with people outside the church is the way I view the people outside the church. Hmm. Uh, growing up in the church, there was a lot of shelter and they're just inevitably, this is considered a safe place. Normally, what that means is it's a safe place to keep stuff out of, but I'm encouraged to see more and more it's a safe place to bring crap into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it's considered a safe place, so you want to be sheltered from the ways of the world or the evil of the world or however people want to say that. And we attach those things to the people that are out there, and we look at them differently. We hold them in a different category it's almost as if well we don't want to get to know them because they're they're bad or they're this or they're that and i think it limits us then to getting to know a person that we might have a really great relationship with and then can shed the light of jesus on um it gets it gets in the way from getting us to know them so we really i think that for me is i've always looked at the outside as well i can't go out there and the more and more i intermix with people on the outside i realize they're just me they're yeah. searching too. Yeah. Um, I just have had a blessed opportunity to know what I've known for as long as I've known it, to know Jesus. And I, you know, I want to share it with them too. They're no different than me. Yeah. Have you guys read um, Dan Kimball's book, They Like Jesus But Not the Church? Uh, yes. Yeah. I've, I have not read all of it, but are you Pastor Phil? He has it, and he uh, had me read this one chapter for a sermon that he was working on. But yeah, I know the I know the context behind the book. Yeah, the, the, kind of what we're talking about just reminded me of that. And, you know, it was a great. That was one of the first books I read from any any emerging kind of church guys, and um, just you know, it's just a big wake up call. You know, 
we we talk about evangelism and and we we kind of preach evangelism you know to our people but how many of us as pastors are actually out there doing what <laughs> what we're telling people to do it's like well and we can rationalize really easy well i'm equipping them to do it so you know and in essence i'm equipping hundreds of people to go and share the gospel with you know hundreds of other people well yeah that's true but that doesn't also that doesn't make it okay that we're not doing it ourselves and <laughs> And, you know, he was talking in that book about, you know, how he would go, he, he made his office a coffee shop or something. You know, he would, he would go do all of his sermon writing in a coffee shop just so he could have uh, interaction with non-Christians on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And that's, that to me has been key. How can um, another aspect of being a part of ministry is we're often limited to what we can do here. We know what we do here. We know what we're good at here. We know how to run our business here. But the minute we step outside the walls, um, lots of ministers and pastors and um, people can kind of flounder in society because they really, you know, we have a different kind of job than a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so you get the opportunity to go out there and, and intermix with people and look at, okay, what who am I? What do I do? Well, I have a love for sound. I've been involved with sound. Um, recording studios and live sound for, you know, 25, 30 years. And that's a way I can get involved in the community. So I started putting myself out there and now I'm getting more work in the community and I'm rubbing shoulders with a lot of people I've never met before in this community in the last 15 years. And, and I think that's really the key there. You know, what you said, Brent, being able to to rub shoulders, working with people um, and, and some of that I've been trying to do more of myself, uh, just where where you're actually you're actually kind of doing things that maybe are outside of church you're getting to know maybe some of the the key players in your community whether it's with sound or musicians or tech stuff or you're you're just you're finding out um i mean even simple things you know they're they're building a park right next door to our church and um you know what a easy opportunity for me to just go outside and when the guys are on their break you know just hey the park's looking great you know what are you know, what's the plans for this area right here? And you just, you meet people on their level, you connect with them, um, you show them a little bit of that picture uh, of Jesus Christ, even through your interaction. You know, it's, it's as simple as doing some of that. Which, yeah, I have, I have a uh, one, I just discovered this. We just, we just kind of stumbled across it this last week as a family. Um, when we moved into our new house, I went around and introduced myself to all the neighbors and just, you know, said, hey, we're, we just moved in, just wanted to say that who we are and so if you see us driving around that's and i wave that's why it's not because i'm some creep driving through the neighborhood <laughs> but like you know some people some people answered the door some people wouldn't even answer the door i knew they were home but you know they they didn't answer the door <laughs> but we live we live like uh, a quarter of a mile away from a mormon church we've got mormons coming through our neighborhood all the time and so people are just kind of grown accustomed to like not answer their door Oh, that's funny. And if it's a if it's an adult male, you know they just don't answer their door. So, but to uh, not this last weekend, weekend before that, we had a a garage sale, and like tons of people from the neighborhood came to the garage sale, and we got to talk to the people. And like you know, I would I would end up having you know a ten or fifteen minute conversation with people in the neighborhood, and now like when when I see them in the neighborhood, they 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 say hi to me. You know, they're willing to talk to me as opposed to thinking that I'm some Mormon or something like that. Or you know, <laughs> some and, Mormon. And we we've gone to other garage sales, you know, that other people have had as a result, and it's like, well, it was just actually finally after like two years, 
started building relationships. So I'm I'm recommending everybody should have a garage sale. Garage it's like sales. the best Very way to get to know your neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is a great way to get to know neighbors. They don't, um, until we rub shoulders with people. Yes. They don't, you know, we talk about evangelism and evangelism can be taught to death over all of the theology behind evangelism and evangelists and so on and so forth. God calls us all to to uh, teach and train disciples, to, to raise up disciples. I mean, that's yeah. a command that he gives us all. So in, in essence, we're all evangelists, and we don't have to necessarily preach. We don't have to necessarily know theology. We don't have to be a certain thing. The best way in the world in rubbing shoulders is that they get to see you interact, um, you know, and play out life. When yeah. there's stress, they see how you handle it. When there's devastation, they see how you handle it. When there's something fun, they see how you handle it. When you're given freedoms and responsibility, they see how you handle it. That's the best way to show them the wisdom um, of Christ, you know? Right, well, because they see you, uh, the real you. And and I think it's it's kind of it's kind of that picture, right? Of you know, of being able to kind of see someone, and then it's that mental, it's that mental, you know, uh, almost reminder of, oh yeah, you know, this person's a, a Christian, or they go to this church, or or whatever they associate. But I mean, whether we like it or not, people, you know, will associate us with certain things, and and like that Dan Campbell book, you know, they love Jesus but not the church. Uh, you know what? What would it look like if we, as Christians, as believers, uh, were a little bit more like Jesus and a little bit less uh, of of a church or or an organization? You know, what, what if we? Yeah. What What if we weren't an institution and we were just people who love God, um, who who go to church because you know that that's where we can gather as the body and you know, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's like what you were saying, Brent. I mean, it really does start with how how they see us responding to. Uh, hurt and grief and joy and frustration, just all the emotions that every one of us feel on a daily basis. I think I'm about to burn all those bridges, though. Whoops. Here we go. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> well, we're getting ready to have the worship barbecue. They all worship barbecue, you know, at our house. Oh, your house? So you're going to have and, like 60 uh, people? So far, 70. Oh, 70. And like only that's because we invited families and stuff, too. And like there's still half the people that haven't that haven't responded yet about yes or no. So there's potential that we could have like 80 to a hundred people in your neighborhood, in my backyard, <laughs> <laughs> annoying all the neighbors tomorrow yes. night. But, uh, well, I, I remember, uh, David, you, you remember Scott Olson, um, you know, who, who was at a, at a church and, and, uh, Scott Olson, friend of mine who was in this band, I used to play with him, um, I, I played some B three organ, and uh, we we actually did their church actually did a thing where they had like a, like a backyard concert. And Scott owns a production company, um, uh, Upper Room Productions or something like that. And so Scott brought all his gear, set it out in the backyard. I mean, like the full like the subs, you know, the the mains, you know, the whole thing. And we just had this rocking uh, concert in the backyard of of this house, you know. <laughs> And, and like the church came out and, um, you know, the whole church came out. So there, there's like a hundred, you know, it was a, it was a big backyard, but still there's neighbors nearby. And so I guess they had gone to each of the neighbors like a couple of days before and said, Hey, we're going to be having a concert. Is that cool with you guys? Apparently everyone was cool. Cause the police never showed up. Cool. Um, 
But yeah, like there was cars just parked all up and down the street. All these people just, you know, you you drive through it. It felt, it felt like some just crazy outdoor concert thing. It was hilarious. I, I've been telling people to carpool, so there you I go. don't know how that's going to work out. But Brent, you said something a second ago. Um, you're talking about, you know, who you are, who God designed you to be. And, you know, you're, you're techie, you're a geek, you, you like sound. And so you're using those, your natural inclinations to, uh, as a, as something to connect you with Mm non-Christians and, uh, you know, and worship, we all have a, a tool, but we're all afraid, I think, to use it in a way that would actually, you know, reach other non-Christians, you know, what, and the the reason I say that, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about music in, in a non-Christian world is playing with a band or gigging with a band at a bar or something. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, there's this fear that, well, I can't go do that because, you know, what if someone from church sees me up there and then they're going to think that I'm, you know, a drunk or I'm endorsing this or that I'm like, you know, I'm the, I'm the Sunday morning Christian and, you know, whatever the, whatever people think when they see you in the bar, but like, what an awesome opportunity that we miss because we're worried about people's perception of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and that's when we're worried about, um, the institution. Um, yeah, it's, it's when we're worried about, you know, whoever's sitting in the second row that gives the, the big tithe check every month. I mean, it all comes down to that and those are harsh words, but, mm. um, you know, I live in that every, every day as pastors, we make decisions based on finances that come in and come out. And, um, but my convictions keep changing and keep drawing me less and less away from the institution. Um, not that I would leave the church or leave working with the church, but I see it changing me and how I interact with the church. And I think that's what we, we need to be faithful to. Um, if, if that's where we're able to interact with people is playing in a club or, or in a band or, um, I think that we need to be willing to do that and willing to set aside people's opinions of us. Now with that comes, you know, we're, we're a group of leaders here talking about this. So we kind of set the tone for our team, but there's a lot of leaders and a lot of pastors that are, that are adamantly against some of those practices. Um, and we have to be respectful if we're under their leadership. And so that's a whole other world of things. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of old school and a lot of old tradition um, they had it a hundred years ago. They had it 300 years ago. We have it now and we gradually break molds and move forward, but that's based on personal conviction. So even if I'm convicted of something, um, playing with the band or doing this or being out, um, I've got to be aware that someone above me or someone below me may be really uncomfortable with that. And I have to allow them that space and that respect to not be a part of it as well. Right. Well, Hey, that's all the time we have for this episode. Um, so we're going to, we'll cut it here okay. and then, uh, and we'll pick up in the next episode. If you have a few more minutes to hang on. Absolutely. All right. So, Hey everyone, worship ministry catalyst networking resource. You can find us online, worship ministry catalyst.com. We're trying to build a network of worship leaders literally around the world. So, um, if you, if you would like to be on the podcast, get in touch with us. We're, we're just a couple of common Joes just like you. So, uh, we're just trying to use the gifts God has given us to join worship leaders together. You can uh, join our network by uh, going to worshipministrycatalyst.com, click on the network tab, and then you can fill out a form to submit your information to the directory where then you will, in the future, when more and more people fill it out, you will be able to go there and find worship leaders in your area who can support you 
and encourage you and you can uh, have a, a personal network with the people who are close to you. So the more the more people we get to do that, the better the, better the network will be. So uh, take a minute to do that if you don't mind. But um, other than that, you can send me an email to david at worshipministrycatalyst.com or kevin at worshipministrycatalyst.com. And if you want to get in touch with Brent, you can go to brentandworship.com and uh, you can get in touch with him there. And he's also on Twitter. So you can uh, check him out there. You're, uh, you're at and worship on Twitter, right? Yep. Okay. And so uh, anything else you want to say as we close out this episode, Brent? No, looking forward to the next one. All right. Stick around for next week, folks. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 71. In the can. In the can. (laughs) 